Welcome to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Another TV series with a significant Native storyline is getting ready to start up. Dark Winds is set on the Navajo Nation and follows two Navajo police officers tackling a twisting murder mystery. It also features a supernatural element in the storyline. Native talent is represented with the producers, writers, and actors for the AMC show, and we're fortunate to have some of that talent here with us today. We'll get a behind-the-scenes look at Dark Winds right after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Confederated Salish and Kootenai cultural leader Tony Inkashola died earlier this week at the age of 76. Montana Public Radio's Aaron Bolton has this remembrance. Inkashola was a key figure in the cultural revival on the Flathead Reservation in the 1970s. He served on the Salish Kalispe Cultural Committee for decades and held the role of committee director since 1995. CSKT Tribal Chairman Tom McDonald says in Kishola's time on the committee and as a tribal councilman in the 1980s touched every part of the tribe's work, including the tribe's takeover of the Salish Kootenai Dam and the expansion of the Natural Resources Department. Every time we would put together educational material, there was Tony. He was there willing to work on it, be able to talk about the importance of this plant or this, this animal talk about the importance of this landscape or a particular site. Incashola's cultural knowledge also helped foster the Incusum Salish Language School in Arlie. Language teacher Jean Beaverhead says Incashola was always there to answer questions and was instrumental in preserving many oral stories. But Beaverhead says like the passing of any elder, some of Incashola's cultural knowledge will likely be lost. We have lost so many elders in these last few years, we have lost so much. We still have a few, but not like what we had. And the stories they have were just irreplaceable. Beyond his cultural work, Inkashola was a Vietnam War veteran and was also known as a fierce community member, always calling youth sports games in his hometown of St. Ignatius. Services will be held in St. Ignatius Friday. For National Native News, I'm Aaron Bolton. The Washington Supreme Court has temporarily halted evictions for seven households on Nusak tribal land. The court granted the injunction this week while it decides if it will take up the case. The Cascadia Daily News reports the households involved are part of a group disenrolled from the Nusak Indian tribe and have been facing eviction for months. Their attorney, Gabe Galanda, told KNXK his clients are Filipino and Native and are being singled out in part for their mixed identity. He hopes the residents will be able to stay in their homes this summer. The tribe wants the housing for enrolled tribal members and in a statement said it owns the land, housing, manages the properties, and is the landlord. A decision from the court could come as early as next week. For the first time since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, the National Congress of American Indians is holding an in-person conference. NCAI's mid-year gathering kicks off this weekend in Anchorage, Alaska, with the theme Thinking Beyond Self-Determination. Tribal leaders from across the country will discuss top issues facing their communities. Alaska is home to nearly half of the more than 570 federally recognized tribes in the U.S. 
The conference is largely influenced by the Alaska region. Mike Williams is chief of the Akiak Native Community and NCAI's Alaska Region Vice President. We look forward in engaging conversations about the Violence Against Women's Act and implementing the Alaska Pilot Project to enhance the safety of our communities. Landage trust issues to reacquire and protect our homeland and environmental sustainability to secure our ways of life for future generations and much more. The PACT agenda also includes a youth track. The NCAI Youth Commission has tailored activities and sessions to help develop the next generation of leaders. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. With so many organizations trying to help military veterans, it can be hard to find the right information. So AARP brings together no-charge employment and fraud prevention resources, caregiving tools, discounts, and more at aarp.org slash veterans who support this show. Support by Sanofsky Chambers Law, championing tribal sovereignty and Native American rights since 1976, from opioids litigation to treaty rights to tribal self-governance, with offices in Washington, D.C., New Mexico, California, and Alaska. Sanofsky Chambers Law. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Two Navajo tribal police officers get swept up in a thrilling murder mystery at a Navajo Nation outpost in the early 1970s. That's the stepping off point for the new AMC series Dark Winds, which premieres this Sunday. The TV series features a lot of Native talent, both in front of and behind the camera. They include director Chris Ayer and showrunner Graham Rowland. The source material for Dark Winds is taken from the late Tony Hillerman's Leaphorn and Chi novels. The stories from the non-native Hillerman get a decidedly native treatment from the series writers and producers. On the show today, we'll hear from those involved in adapting these works for television. And we also want to hear from you. Are you a Joe Leaphorn or Jim Chi fan? Are you planning to dark, watch Dark Winds this weekend? Join our conversation, 1-800-996-2848, 1-800-99-NATIVE. On the show today, we have Billy Luther. He's a writer for the television series Dark Winds, and he's speaking with us from Los Angeles, California. He's Navajo, Hopi, and Laguna. Billy, welcome back to Native America Calling. Hi. Thanks for having me. You bet, Billy. And I had a chance this week to get a sneak peek at Dark Winds, streamed a few episodes. That's a perk of being the host here, early access to some cool TV series and movies. And I just want to say I really enjoyed it. Very engaging show. Congratulations to you and everyone else involved in the production. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, no, there's a lot of, you know, um, love, blood, sweat, you know, tears that went into this. And um, I can't believe it's finally here, you know a premiere on Sunday. It's really cool. Yeah, almost two days away. And I've got so many questions. I, I'm excited to talk to you and our other guests. I'm not quite sure where to begin, but why don't you start us off with a brief summary of the show? Yeah, you know, the um, the the series is, you know, based on um, the novels from Tony Hillerman. 
and um, we actually, you know, took a couple um, of them. Uh, Listening Woman was was one of the shows, or I'm sorry, the books that we um, um, used for inspiration, and also just parts of um, People of Darkness. And um, you know, it was really kind of interesting to see how the writers' room. The, let me first to say that the writers' room was, um, you know, all of uh, native. It was an all-native writers' room, which is very rare um, for a TV drama. But um, so we, you know, read those two books, um, and you know, those books I grew up with. Um, it was, you know, just something that in our homes um, growing up, and you know, many people remember these books because of um, Jim, you know, Chi, Joe Leaphorn, and really kind of, you know, going through and, and solving crimes on on the Navajo reservation. And this one, you know, this, this series is definitely one of those. We just follow um, these two characters, you know, their personal lives as well as, you know, the crime that they're trying to solve. So um, mm-hmm. it was really great to kind of go in and, and, and get these characters um, to be a little bit more, you know, evolved um, and more elements of, you know, um, their Navajo-ness, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> Yeah, they're Navajo-ness. And, and let's talk a little bit more about how the show compares to the original source content. I, it, it's been a few years since I've read any Tony Hillerman, but right away it was apparent that you and the other writers have reworked many of the storylines and characters. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, you, you know, one of the things that um, we really wanted to do when we started, you know, we you, it was really cool because once we started our first day, I remember because we were in the height of COVID. So when we started this writer's rooms, usually in the writer's room, you're, you're in person and you're there all day, you know, but this is the first time we were there together in a Zoom room. Um, and um, I just saw these faces popping up and I was like, oh, my gosh, I know this person. I, you know, we were, I, was like, I couldn't believe it was a full um, room of natives. Um, but, you know, it was really important for us to, you know, we all agree upon, you know, we wanted to really kind of make these, you know, more um, fleshed out and lived characters, you know, and, and less, uh, you know, Twilight, you know, wolf, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so we really kind of wanted, and we also wanted to bring humor, you know, humor to, to the story. And, um, you know, I think that's something that, you know, wasn't in the books was, you know, uh, the, you know some of the humor, that the Navajo humor or, you know, just Native humor in general. Yeah, and I think you folks just did an excellent job of capturing the look and feel of the early 1970s, the vehicles, wardrobe, Jim Cheese, kind of shoulder length, feathered hair. (laughs) I remember that era really well. Was it was it it was it fun capturing that period again on camera? It was, you know, and the great thing, too, is like, you know, our parents, you know, um, were, you know, lived through those, you know, those years of the 60s and 70s. So, you know, whenever we had some sort of like, hey, you know, I needed some, you know, some resource or, you know, I would call my mother. My mother was Miss Navajo in the 60s. So her her, her look in the 70s was really cool. <laughs> so, you know, just going through all the old photos and seeing kind of like what, um, you know, what they drove. Also, what was really cool is music. I think music played a part in this series, too. It's really going back into those tracks of the 70s. Um, and it really gave it you know, these scenes and and these episodes, you know, wait. Yeah, the music really added a a lot of a lot of uh, insight and just really gave it a good vibe. And Billy, do you have a favorite scene or character or piece of dialogue? I I, I know we want to be careful about spoiler spoilers here, but anything that you just really enjoyed specifically about the story that you want to share? 
Yeah, you know, Zon McLaren, who is Joe Luporn, is an amazing talent. Um, writing, you know, his scenes, I just had him in my, in mind. I mean, he's incredible. Um, you can't take your eyes off him when he's in, you know, in any scene. So I really love the scenes when him and Jim Chi are, you know, together, you know, because there's always some sort of tension. And I love that. Um, and just watching them, and, and, and especially Zon, too, it's, it's, it's just I mean, I, I think in terms of acting, you know, Zahn is just somebody who I kind of have, have admired for so long. And with Kiowa, you know, stepping in as Jim Chi, it's it's pretty cool to see him. Yeah, there was great chemistry there. And, and amongst other relationships with characters as well, that was just so, so intricate the way that all worked. And let's bring another writer into our conversation now joining us from new jersey city excuse me jersey city new jersey is Rizelle banali she's also a writer for the series dark winds she is oglala lakota and danae Rizelle, you've been on our show before as well welcome back thank you sean it's a pleasure to be talking with you all again absolutely Rizelle, tell us a little bit about your experience working on dark winds i mean Working on Dark Winds was my first room ever, and as Billy was talking about um, the experience uh, happening on on Zoom, you know, I was actually in my uh, last year of of grad school, of studies, I should say. I'm in my thesis year now, but I was in my, um, I was attending grad school full-time, and then um, I was in the writer's room, and so, you know, my my experience was a little bit more... um, stressful <laughs> because I was juggling um, school and, and work. And, um, but overall, I mean, you know, the room we had, we, we had um, Erica Tremblay, um, Anthony Flores, Maya Rose Ditloff and um, Billy and myself. Um, it was a, it was a beautiful, it was a, it was a beautiful, um, convergence of of talent and minds and um i really i really enjoyed working in that kind of environment and you know i i hope to do more of it because uh i i really love you know building building moments building shows and and all that good stuff Mm -hmm. and were you a fan of the hillerman novels before this project you know, um, also same um, with uh, what Billy was speaking to earlier. Um, I grew up with the Hillerman novels in the bookshelf. My my dad was a was a, was a fan, and I have older parents, so my parents were alive in um, you know the '60s and '70s as children and teenagers. And um, there's something really special about um, what books like this can do for a generation when they've never um, seen themselves in on TV or in media. And so, you know, for that, um, um, I'm grateful because my dad, he, he was an artist and he also studied anthropology and, and went to Rutgers University to get his uh, master's in anthropology like Jolie Porn. And so um, I think there was, um, you know, I think there was, uh, uh, my, my parents, they, they, they really did enjoy reading this book. And, and for me, 
you know, um, because the books were always around, you know, I had, you know, I would thumb through them, read them, and as as a kid, and didn't really understand that it was written by a a non-native until I became a teenager, a radical punk rock teenager, then, you know, became (laughs) anti-everything, and so, uh, you know, when I got older, I, I wasn't a fan. You know, to be honest, I grew up as uh, I would say as a fan. But then when I got older, I think there was just some um, underlying, you know, anger and resentment of like, you know, how how could this, you know, non-native be writing about us? And then as you get older, you know, you look back and how much, you know, things have influenced you and inspired you. And I think at this moment in time, it's like. You know, I'm I I sometimes just don't know how I feel um, about you know when it comes to non-natives writing about natives or making movies about natives, so on and so forth. And so I would say, you know, I'm I'm thankful I'm thankful that these books um, existed because I wouldn't exist without them. You know. Okay. But. Yeah. Well, we're going to have to take a break here in just a short moment, but I want, I want to talk a little bit more about that. Um, Tony Hillerman, that legacy, and he is definitely a polarizing figure amongst Native people, as you say, and, and we'll talk more about that. Anybody with a question or comment, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. We're talking about the new AMC series, Dark Wind, and we have talent here from the show And we're learning all about this really exciting production that premieres this Sunday. So give us a call. We'll be back right after this short break. A number of public university systems and institutions are offering tuition waivers for Native students. The programs range from free tuition only all the way up to tuition, fees, and housing. We'll learn what's behind the trend and discuss how students can access these college tuition programs. That's on the next Native America Calling. Program support by Amerind. For 35 years, Indian country has put its trust in Amerind, providing insurance coverage, strengthening Native American communities, Protecting tribal sovereignty and keeping dollars in Indian country are Amarin's priorities. More information on property, liability, workers' compensation, and commercial auto needs at Amarind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about the upcoming television series Dark Winds, which will premiere on AMC and AMC Plus on Sunday. The show features a host of Native talent, from the producers to the on-screen talent. And if you have a comment or question for the show today, you can reach us at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. We're speaking right now with Roselle Banali, and she is one of the writers for Dark Winds. And Roselle, right before we went to break, you you touched upon... um, some of these challenges with regard to a a non-native writer, uh, Tony Hillerman, the the legacy. And, um, you know, he is is a polarizing figure amongst many native people, especially Navajos. You know, he wrote a lot of books and he made a lot of money 
writing about Navajo culture and lifestyle. And I know some people feel he crossed the line at times and shared information that shouldn't have been made public. And I just want to know, did, did you, Billy, and the other Native writers, I mean, obviously you must have struggled with that, having to build on to stories that were written by a controversial non-Native author. So what was like that like there in the writer's room as you reworked these characters and storylines to make them resonate more fully amongst native viewers and, and watchers. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, I think it's, um, I think what a lot of people don't know is like Hellerman, you know, I think he, I, they were, I really did truly, I really do truly believe he wanted to like, you know, I hate to say it was like honor, you know, indigenous people and stories. And, and, you know, I think, um, that statement might be polarizing as well, but, you know, intention, I don't think he wanted to harm people. You know what I mean? And so when it came to, when it came to us in the, in the room, um, I think I truly believe that all of us saw this as an opportunity, you know, to advocate for more responsible storytelling and almost as a way to, to reclaim these narratives in a way, because, um, so, you know, I could have, I could have said no to the project and, you know, maybe campaign against it or something, but I didn't see it like that because a, there's more important things to advocate and, and campaign for that's happening in, in our communities. And B, um, I figured they were going to make the series regardless and, and, why instead of me standing on the sideline being critical and judgmental and saying, you know, no, 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 why not actually, you know, step up and and be a person of reason and be a voice in the room where I can um, say no to something if they've crossed the line. And I think, you know, because these books were written in the 70s and and there was a generation and it's Oh, you know, those books, you can, you know, read them and see that they're, they are of their time. And we can't control that as, you know, the children of, of folks from, from that era. But what we can do is, um, because Hillerman has a massive following, you know, he has a massive audience that extends beyond, right. you know, Navajo Nation and, and Native America for that. And so... Because of that, you know, I think there was a lot of, um, um, I don't want to say, um, I don't want to say sovereignty, but I think there was a lot of empowerment in the room where, you know, there was, there was trust, first of all, from AMC to enlist a room of all Indigenous Native writers and Navajo writers, and I think... I'm tired of um, expecting to be burned. And for once I wanted to step up and, and trust that a network was gonna, was gonna do, do good for Native America because let's face it, we're in an era where um, we have Sterling Harjo and Taika making reservation dogs. We have Sierra um, Ornealis making Rutherford Falls with Janish meeting. You know, we're, we are in, uh, a phase of media where we are becoming, you know, actual um, 
storytellers of our own narratives. And I think mm-hmm. um, it was really important for AMC to really understand that and back that. And so, you know, with that all, with that all being said, um, for, for, for me personally, it was a way to step up and, and like I said prior, advocate for more responsible sure. storytelling and, and actually sure. be a part because nothing's going to change overnight. This is what people don't realize. Like there's not going to be an, like an all native executive production, all native, you know, um, writer's room with an all native cast with an all na- you know, all native, it, you know, and it's never going to be a hundred percent native. And, um, that's just how the world is though, you okay. know? Yeah. And, and, and so with that being said, um, yeah, I mean, but then there was a majority of native cast though. Right. You know what right. I mean? Like 90, of, yeah. 90, it's like 95% of the cast is, is indigenous and yeah. majority of the I mean, production just wa- team are indigenous. So. Yeah, watching it, seeing all the the native actors, and and reading the credits, it was it was really cool. And and like you said, Rizal, and I really appreciate how you shared that background and and just you know your struggle with this whole project and and why you made your decisions. And obviously, yeah, these books are are, are old now. I mean, written more than fifty years ago, a much different time. I think it's safe to say, though, that that literary genre of old white guys writing about native people, it just it hasn't aged too well, has it? No, no, but then you know what? But like I said, you know, um, it, it does like the audience does extend for for years, and yeah. I think that sometimes, um, you know, um, they want people to watch the show, and um, yeah, absolutely, it's got to be entertaining. We got to, you know, people get you know, advertisers need to pay for it and, and everything else. It's a business, right? Certainly. Let's bring another voice into our conversation now. Joining us from Santa Fe, New Mexico, we have Eugene Brave Rock. He is an actor and plays the role of one of the characters. He is of the Blood Tribe of the Blackfeet Confederacy. Eugene, welcome to the show. Okay, and yate. <laughs> You bet, Eugene. It's it's great to have you on, as as well as the writers and Eugene. Your character, uh, he's a, a a bit mysterious in the series, and we don't want to give out too many spoilers. But but what can you tell us? What can you share about your character? Oh my goodness, where can I go from here? Um, you know what? I can't say too much. To be honest, it's very thankful to be a part of it, and. You know what? I want to just give a shout out to Rizal for all her honesty and, and uh, the insight she just gave. It was great, and I feel great to be, you know, part of a time where we have writers in the room like like Rizal and, and uh, Billy. And uh, what a great project! And yeah, as far as the character, you know what? It's it's too early in the game for me to say anything. So. <laughs> I was hoping I could squeeze something out of you there, maybe a little, a little bit of info. But it looks like you're, you're not talking. Okay, I get it. I get it, Eugene. Well, well, tell us this. Um, you know, you've worked on other projects. You've been in the business a few years yourself, and 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 we heard Billy and Rizal talking about the writers' room and all the talent. So, was it a lot different working on this production as opposed to ones you've worked on previously? Yes, for sure. I mean, in front of the camera and behind the camera, it was indigenous people everywhere. It was great to see. It was, uh, you know, again, being here in in, uh, New Mexico. I mean, it was my first real experience being here. I mean, experiencing 
um, New Mexico was filming here and it was great. Amazing. I mean, it's such a great place to, I feel like it's one of the only places in America where it's cool to be Indian, right? Or Native American. <laughs> it's, um, you know, it's, it's beautiful place, beautiful locations. Well, speaking of that, being down in New Mexico and Four Corners area, and, and you are uh, from from Canada. So was it a challenging role for you? Were you familiar with Navajo culture prior, prior to starring in the movie, or did you have to learn a lot of that? Um, you know what? I had a great opportunity working with um, Trevor, or sorry, um, uh, Black Horse Boys, um, doing the the Diné language, which was amazing and great. I'm really a big advocate for indigenous languages. And it was great to see it all over the show and hear it, you know, everywhere. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, it could always be more. But um, again, such a great project to be a part of where they're utilizing indigenous languages. And, you know, you never hear indigenous languages in, in television or film. So it's great to see that. Great to be a part of that again. Mm-hmm. And what about working with Chris Ayer? How was it um, being on that set? I mean, he he's a legend in Native right. American entertainment say, industry. He's a legend. What a great opportunity to, you know, get some inspiration and insight from, from a legend. I mean, again, the whole cast and crew, I mean, Zahn and what a great, you know, again, I'm so blessed and so thankful to be part of this project. I wish I could say more. Maybe not at this time. Maybe <laughs> in a couple of episodes, then I'll be able to, to divulge I, more information. But, I wish you could too. <laughs> we should have. Maybe we should have scheduled this show uh, a week from now after the premiere. But, but well, let me ask you this though, because this is a contemporary role or semi-contemporary, right? Set in the early '70s. We talked a little bit about some of the cinematography there, vehicles and things like that. And did you do you, do you appreciate a contemporary role like that as opposed to one where you you're wearing feathers and loincloth for the, for a whole movie or an episode? <laughs> yes, of course. I mean, it is. It is nice to, you know, to to be a part of something more contemporary. And, and um, yeah, definitely. Well, it certainly, I just appreciate these multi-dimensional native characters that we saw, or that that, that viewers are going to see there in Dark Winds, and and we're seeing like our writers have talked about earlier. We're seeing more and more of that the depth of the stories, the depth of the characters. And um, I'm just really grateful that we're moving away from some of these more one-dimensional kind of stereotypical roles that we've seen in the past. And what are your thoughts on that, Eugene? Yes, I mean, it, it's changing. And uh, it's again, I'm thankful to be a part of, of this time where we're, we're, we're taking back the narrative. Right? And like Rizal said, is be, having being, you know, that storytelling. I mean, it's huge in, in, in indigenous culture, right? It's our oldest tradition. So to be take to take that and take back the narrative in a responsible way is, is great. And you know, again, with more writers in the room, and it, it's and so thankful to be a part of this time where where we're where, where you know. To our lens, right? It's always right. You know, I had issues with other stories and other things of you know other projects, and 
lot of the history that we, you know, even looking up and researching characters, it's always the non-Indigenous perspective, again, to get writers in the room and, and change that. Is yeah, blessing. it's huge. But it's, it's about time. Huge. Yeah, <laughs> long overdue. We've got a caller, Bill, listening on KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Bill, you're on the air. Hey, thanks. Uh, you know, I read everything, all those Tony Hillerman novels, even some by Ann Hillerman, and uh, I just uh, uh, really appreciate this show. I thought I was getting the inside scoop forever and then found out maybe not so, so I'm looking forward to seeing what, what gets put on the TV. Thank you. You bet, Bill. Thanks for calling in, and, and let's talk a little bit more about it. You mentioned Ann Hillerman because uh, – you know, Tony Hillerman, his, he passed away a number of years ago, and his daughter, after he passed, uh, picked up the torch, and, and she published some of these Chi and Leaphorn novels uh, after his passing. And there's even one of the characters that that is in this movie now, there's a new series that we're talking about, Dark Winds. That's actually a character that was developed by Ann Hillerman. And let's, uh, let's ask Billy about that, because... Um, Billy, what was that like? You're actually, you know, we talk about Tony Hillerman's legacy, Tony Hillerman's legacy, but you, you, as writers, you were also working with his daughter and Hillerman's legacy as well, right? Well, yeah, Ann Hillerman was definitely, you know, um, part of the um, kind of the, the process of how this began because this process started like 30 some years ago, 35, I think, um, in terms of trying to get this made. Um, and uh, Robert Redford acquired the rights to the Hillerman novels, like I said, 30, about 30 years ago. And George R. R. Martin came on board. Um, you know, he's from the Game of Thrones and, you know, big legend. And um, But um, uh, George connected with uh, Chris Eyre and Redford, and um, they worked with Anne as well. And developing it and, and finding it, you know, the series a home. So um, it's been kind of like this long process. It wasn't just like, oh, five years ago they started. No, this has been an ongoing thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, obviously we're and I and are they still make? Are, is Anne still publishing new books or has she stopped? You know, I'm not sure about that. I don't. You know, Anne was there, you know, right in our development, but you know, after that. I th- they let us writers go, so um, she wasn't giving kind of you know there was no like um, approval you know it was it was our, we, we pretty much um, after development started we started just writing our episodes. Okay. Well, let me ask Eugene. I know I'm still trying to get Eugene to talk a little bit about his role, but but why don't you just take us through a, a day of filming? What was it like on set, Eugene? A typical day there at on the Darkwinds, uh, the set there. Four my first day Fe. on set was my first day on set was, you know, I when you first walk onto a set, you can feel the dynamics, right? And it was very tense, not tense, intense. The scene that they were doing was very uh, critical, and it was it was everything. You know, I was going on being on set every day was from from extreme to you know, every every everything was. You know, like the scenery was amazing every time. I mean, for me being here in Santa Fe, watching, you know, a magic hour, like every five minutes, the environment changes because of the sun, right? And it was such a great experience to be on set here. Um, with the with the intense scenes, with the funny scenes, with, you know, traveling 
around New Mexico was amazing. And about how long did the shoot take to, to do all six episodes, Eugene? I'm going to think about four months. I think I was here about four months, four and a half months. Okay. And, and when did, the, was this last year, last summer? When when did the filming occur? We started, I, I came into San Jose the weekend after Indian Market, which is at the end of August. September, October, November. So about three months, actually. Okay. Well, you know, when I was watching it, there was a guy, and he, he looked a lot like a guy I went to school with at Haskell, and I think I saw his name in the credits, and he had a speaking role, Stafford Begay. Do you remember working with him? Stafford Begay. No, I don't. Okay, because it sure looked like him, uh, and I thought I saw his name in the credits. I just wanted to, to double check if that was him or not, because it was really cool watching somebody I think I know. At any rate, anybody with any questions or comments for today's show, 1-800-996-2848. Give us a call, and we'll be back after one more short break. Support by Strong Hearts Native Helpline, providing no-charge confidential support and resources to Native Americans affected by domestic and sexual violence 24-7 at 1-844-7-NATIVE or strongheartshelpline.org. Support by the American Indian College Fund, providing millions of dollars of scholarships to Native students every year. Applications are accepted through May 31st at collegefund.org or by phone at 800-766-FUND. Thank you for tuning in to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We're talking about an upcoming television series, Dark Winds. It's a thriller set on the Navajo Nation in the era of leisure suits, bell bottoms, and aquanet. That's right. We're talking the 70s, and you can join our conversation. 1-800-996-2848. 1-800-996-2848. We are joined now by another actor from Dark Winds, Kiowa Gordon. He plays the role of Deputy Jim Chi in the new series. He is Wallapai. Kiowa, welcome to Native America Calling. Hey, thank you for having me. What's up? Absolutely. And uh, without any, giving uh, any spoilers, what can you tell us about uh, your character, Jim Chi? Oh, Jim. Jim is a, you know, he's a really ambitious dude. He's just, uh, so he's been rife with all this confliction um throughout his his life because uh there was a lot of troubled past and he he kind of assimilated into white society and he went to college and all this stuff and now he's back on the res the navajo res uh after nine years um and he's he's ambitious and he's trying to to make a name for himself out there and and, and kind of reconnect but he also is wary and doesn't really want to be there um, so yeah, he's, he's a complicated guy, a complex guy. He is. And, and I did notice that, the the Jim Chi, your, your Jim Chi, uh, differed in, in many ways from, from the Jim Chi in the original books. And I know that, that Jim Chi has also been portrayed on screen before Lou Diamond Phillips played Jim Chi, Adam Beach. And, uh, Kiowa, did you watch any of those previous performances in preparation for this role? Well, I watched the old, uh, PBS, um, like TV movies that Chris Ayer, uh, he, he directed two of those with uh, Adam and, and Wes Studi as Lee Porn. And, yeah, because Robert Redford has been trying to get this 
uh, out there for a long, long time. I think since the eighties he had the rights. Um, yeah. So I, I've, I've watched those and I actually went to set on one of the days. Uh, my mom knew Adam. So I went to set one time when I was like 11 and met with Adam. We played like Xbox in his room, you know, playing Halo. Um, <laughs> that, it's crazy to see this come full circle. So my dad had the books in his library. So um, I never picked them up <laughs> when I was younger, but after um, talking to Chris, uh, right before the pandemic, actually, we were uh, in Pechanga. I was showing Blood Quantum, and he was moderating, and he was like, hey, man, great job. You're a freaking movie star, and I want you to be in this new show I'm developing with George R. R. Martin. I'm like, oh, what? that's crazy cool. Yeah. Didn't think too much of it. And um, later I found out it was Dark Winds, and um, so I started reading up on the books, um, starting with Listening Woman and uh, People of Darkness, because that's what this – this series is kind of pulling from and also other other books like the ones with Bernadette like we kind of just like pulled whatever we wanted to make a great tv show here so I I did a little diving in and did you did you learn Navajo and and some of that other stuff to just to make sure your character was accurate culturally yeah I had to uh respect the culture there and uh, it's funny my dad was actually a missionary for two years on the Navajo reservation in the 70s. Um, so he had to learn Navajo. And so he was giving me pointers and his companion uh, lived in New Mexico. So when I went out there, we met up, uh, started just running down, you know, doing a little Navajo 101, if you will. Um, and then we also had uh, Sheldon Blackhorse. He was our consultant and he would be there on days when we had to speak Navajo. So uh, anytime we'd, like mess up a line he'd be there to be like no it's this it's this <laughs> make sure everybody pronounced everything correctly and, and on point and everything um Kai, well, one thing that i just couldn't help keep my eyes off <laughs> in the series was i love that el camino that jim chi drove did they let you keep that after filming uh, I think after uh, if we get a second season, hopefully, uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna take it next time. I didn't I didn't get to bring it home with me. <laughs> That'd be a great, there you go. great little moment. Yeah. So yeah, that that was probably one of my, the best things about you know filming in the 70s, like making it accurate to that period. I mean, you get to have the cars, the hair, the outfit, the music. It's just a it's a great era. Yeah, it, it really captured captured well on screen and I, and I like how it's kind of it's contemporary but not too contemporary right like nobody was carrying a cell phone and you guys weren't like texting and, and doing internet and stuff like that but it, it still felt very present right I could still totally relate to the characters in the time period mm -hmm. I think it's great for the uh, the skill set that we have to have as, as detectives um, you don't just get to look up on your phone all these things the technology isn't there you have to have a a certain set of skills to be able to do the job. And Kaiwa, you mentioned earlier briefly, you know, how, how your Jim Chi, he's conflicted a little bit. He's, he's come back to his community. He's been away and he, he doesn't really want to be there. And, and I think that's a, a struggle that many of us as native people face, right? Like, do we, do we stay home? Do we live close to home and, and serve our communities or, or do we move away in search of other opportunities so was was that a journey for you did you how did you deal with that aspect of of your character's experience 
Well, I mean, it's it, it hits pretty close to home for me because I mean, I'm I'm kind of in that same boat. I grew up on the Walpi Reservation in, in Peach Springs, Arizona, uh, when I was younger, and moved away when I was about eight to uh, the next town over, Kingman. And my dad was a, a sheriff's deputy at that point too. And uh, and then he decided we should move to Phoenix, uh, Mesa specifically, so that my older brothers can have a, a good shot at getting like a football scholarship to some college. So. Yeah, we went to Mesa. So my brother won football state championship there like twice, two years in a row. So, um, yeah, so leaving, trying to find other opportunities. And, you know, it's like trying to assimilate into this society in Mesa. It's like a, a huge Mormon town outside of, um, you know, outside of Salt Lake. It's a pretty big community of Mormons. So I grew up kind of in that, and it just – felt awkward to me um you know just kind of not fitting in in that world and then not keeping as uh much of a touch on my roots back in uh, peach springs as i would have liked uh, but you know you take trips back see family um you know mm-hmm. i'd see my gorda a lot and, um and then i think leaving gives the opportunity to kind of help out in other ways like you know i've I've started a whole acting career now. I've done it for 13 years. And, you know, it's it's something to give back um, in a little way, uh, coming onto the screen and and just kind of giving us visibility that we don't really get. Um, and then I, I kind of want to get back there at some point. You know, I, I can build out um, maybe a little small farm out there on the land and, and just kind of, grow some crops and, and, and give back to the community there because, I mean, we only have one little store out there and uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty slim. And I mean, people have to drive like 45 minutes to go to Kingman to pick up food from like the grocery store out there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty small town. Um, yeah. So it, it really affected me like coming back and, and, and sensing this from Jim Chi, um, it was kind of a moment where it's like, you can really look at yourself in this character and it, it kind of gives it a, a little bit more weight, I feel like. And uh, you can feel his soul coming out a little more in some aspects. Um, there's vulnerability there. And he also has, you know, he has his hard exterior sometimes, but you know, at the same time, we're all human. Yeah, yeah, he does. And, and I, I like his evolution. And, and we talked about, um, you know, you did a great job and Eugene did a great job. And, and we heard Billy talk about Zon McLaren and, and um, the actress Jessica Matten, who played Bernadette Manuelito, she she did a great job, too. And she was just um, and that chemistry that you two had on camera it was you were sizzling a little bit there. It was really good. So we've got another caller on the line. Tish listening in Wisconsin on WOJB. Tish, thanks for calling in. Hey there. I'm, I'm um, really enjoying the conversation, and I'm looking forward to, to uh, tomorrow night. Um, I'm calling from Redcliffe. I am clocked out. I want to make sure I point that out because I'm at work. But um, I had a question because uh, Roselle had talked a lot about taking material that is so familiar to the larger larger population and moving it forward. And I'm, I'm really interested in how the writers 
um, looked at that and uh, thought in terms of of um, um, kind of the greater message with that because they're getting these performers out there, they're getting the talent out there, and um, you know exposing them to a wider audience with something they're already familiar with. And I just can't, I'm really starting to think of like the ripple effect of things like that. Um, and I'm wondering if the writers kind of saw that bigger picture when they were doing this. Okay. Well, Tish, thanks for that question. And let's go ahead and let Rizelle respond to that. Rizelle, question about working with that non-native material and that whole experience. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, uh, well, first of all, thank you, Tish, for listening and uh, and hope all is well out, out that your way. Um, yeah, talking about um, this source material, I think all of us in the room were just, um, you know, super, super excited to to lend um, our own experiences to really um, make this as a, uh, um, in, I guess, Indigenous-specific, Navajo-specific, especially. And um, because many of the people behind the series um, are Indigenous, uh, we really wanted to um, showcase more complexity, you know, within within folks, uh, Navajo folks, um, so that people can really um, understand understand us more because you know not to no no two navajos are like no two native people are like all tribes are different but i think it's really important that um that we were given the freedom to um take these well-known characters and and really um flesh them out and really kind of make them like real people so there's really like a, a balance that you and, and a dance that you have to do. And I think a lot of it had to do with, with trust. Um, you know, the the network trusted us and, and we trusted them. And, you know, we had the um, grace of everyone involved, including George R. R. Martin to Ann Hillerman to, you know, of course, uh, Bob Redford. And it, it was, you know, it, it's it's hard to do. It really is. Mm-hmm. You can't please everybody, and that's the thing. You know, right. there's gonna be right. there's gonna be critics. There's always gonna be critics. Okay. Uh, I think the important thing for us was to just um, uh, ensure that this was a series that people can have fun watching, and that people will want to continue watching. So okay, yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that, Roselle. And let's let Billy chime in as well. Billy, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, as writers, how you adapted this original source content from Tony Hillerman. And if you could talk a little bit about that, we're going to have to wrap up here in the next couple of minutes, but talk a little bit about that, that process from your perspective. And also, Billy, really, what is it that you would like for for viewers this Sunday to, to really take away from this new series? Yeah, you know, one of the things that I um, think that Rizal pointed out was, you know, um, we definitely, you know, as a at, in a writers' room, we we knew we were working with um, with material that was, you know, loved by so many, and we also knew that it had it's also, you know, it's 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 negatives too. There were many um, natives that um, didn't, um, you know, 
um, really, uh, they felt it was just a controversy. But anyhow, we, the way we worked with it was we wanted to make these characters whole, and you know, we wanted to make them lived, and that was so important to us. And we wanted to get you know very the details, the specifics right. Um, and I think that's what you know, like I said, Roselle and I were um, the Navajos in the room. You know, we were you know constantly you know making sure that we were you know making you know, our, our, our family's happy and, you know, <laughs> in, in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, what I really want people to take away from this series is it's just so fun. And it's just, you know, you, you just can't wait for the next year, our next episode. And, and the performance of these, these actors. And, I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, I watch and I'm just like, this is finally, there's something, you know, on television that I wanted as a kid, the young native, you know, that had action that was, you know, a thriller um, and also leads that you want to kind of, you know, continue watching. So, um, yeah, that's how I feel. Okay. And Kyle, I just have one more quick question here. Again, we do have to wrap up in a short minute, but you've been in other horror movies before. You were in a a big zombie movie back in 2020, and now this is a suspense thriller. I'm just curious, you're on set as, as Native people. Do you folks take any precautions or anything like that when you're filming and you're dealing with these really sensitive spiritual issues and things like that? I'm curious. Kiowa, are you there? Yeah, yeah, you hear me? Yeah, Hello? yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, if you could, okay, yeah, yeah. we got about a, a minute before we got to wrap up, if you could respond. Okay, please. yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, there's always responsibility there, but I think when you're in the moment, on set, in the scene, you can't really think about it too much. You just got to basically just do your job, um, and that's, you know, that's basically the writer's job is to just make sure that everything is, is tight and, and not, because it's it's not on the actor, I don't think, to um, unless you have that collaboration with like the director and everybody, then you could talk to them and say, "Hey, is this this is accurate? This is very sensitive material we're working on here." But um, yeah, usually you just come in and do your job and forget the outside world because you know you got a performance to give. Okay. All right. Well, we have reached the hour. I want to thank our guests for this thrilling conversation and sneak peek at the new TV series, Dark Winds, premiering this Sunday on AMC. Join us again next week for another round of important and engaging shows here at Native America Calling. Until then, I'm your host, Sean Spruce, and have a great weekend. Support by the Facundo Valdez School of Social Work at Highlands University, now offering the opportunity to earn a culturally relevant, clinical, Master of Social Work degree without leaving your own community. This online MSW degree focuses on a small, supportive model with a clinical concentration. Students in rural areas, tribal communities, and or who live far from campus are given preference. Application can be made in three easy steps. More info and application at online.nmhu.edu. Hey, hey, the chimney 
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davis. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.